Here we go again. Air travel is a mess, just like it was a year ago. Canceled flights, grounded planes, stranded passengers. The travel experience that already isn't fun has become more stressful. We never expected COVID to do this. If you're one of those unfortunate few flying the past few days, you have at least heard about the chaos of canceled or at least delayed flights. It's especially bad to hit America, but Canada too, as people have tried to take off and found the airlines are not yet back up to speed, with pent-up demand to just go somewhere. Airlines are struggling. They laid out thousands during COVID as countless planes sat idle. They're trying to grow back to meet demand, but every day pilots, attendants, and staff are calling in sick as they test positive with Omicron. Flight troubles may change or even cancel your plans, but we know that nothing can frustrate our Lord, and He is good. Welcome to Haven Today, and it's the first day of summer. Can you believe it? I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're continuing in a series we began yesterday called The Most Reluctant Convert. Clive Staples Lewis, publicly known as C.S. Lewis, but his friends always called him Jack. But no matter what name you know him as, this man is still loved by millions around the world, even though he's been with the Lord for nearly 60 years now. And what most of us love about him is his love for Jesus. What I find so fascinating is that he once claimed to be the most reluctant convert, Well, today we're going to think about the events that hardened his heart and made him, for a season, an ardent atheist. It all began with the pain of his mother's death at a young age. So stay with me as we pondered together the conversion of C.S. Lewis and his bold faith for Christ afterwards. Then after this program, I want to send you the brand new feature-length film about leading up to the conversion of C.S. Lewis. The name of the movie is called The Most Reluctant Convert. Uh, it's uh, it's an origin story about how the most, who I think the most influential Christian writer of the past hundred years. And uh, the film is told by an older Lewis coming alive in his memories to tell of his conversion from being a hard-boiled atheist to, first of all, belief in God as a theist, and then finally to belief in Jesus Christ. That's award-winning actor and writer Max McLean. Max will be back with us again a little later. After the program, I want to send you this new DVD for your fiscal year-end gift to the ministry. June 30th is coming next week, and we really could use your help to meet our year-end budget goal. I know this movie will encourage your faith and can be used as a conversation starter with family or friends who are struggling with their faith or lack thereof. So call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit our website, watch the movie trailer, and make your tax-deductible year-end gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. We really would like to hear from you before June 30th. And now let's open the program. Here's Charity Gale. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Was rich. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated the 
breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide, left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside. And there at the cross, you paid the debt I owe, broke my chains, freed my soul for the first time I had hope. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank Into glorious life. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now, death. Oh.
Sometimes we still get a single to listen to and want to share with you here on Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. The program's called The Most Reluctant Convert. That was Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood by Charity Gale. C.S. Lewis is one of the most famous Christians of at least the past hundred years. He was an author, a speaker, a professor at Oxford, later Cambridge, before he died. Lewis had quite the mind. But this mind wasn't always being used for Christ. Listen to a scene from the new film, The Most Reluctant Convert, where Max McLean plays Lewis and shows what he thought of himself as an unbeliever. So, if you ask me to believe all this I've just described as the work of an omnipotent, benevolent God, I would have laughed and said the evidence points in the opposite direction. Either there's no God behind the universe, a God indifferent to good and evil, or worse an evil god. Never dreamed of raising the question if the universe is so bad, or even half so bad, how on earth did humans ever come to attribute it to the work of a wise and good creator? Oh, men are fools, but not so foolish as that, the direct inference from black to white, from evil flower to virtuous root, from senseless work to a workman infinitely wise? Stagger's belief. No, I did not believe God existed, but I was angry at God for not existing. Why should creatures have the burden of existence forced upon them without their consent? It's a scene from the film The Most Reluctant Converts here on Haven Today, talking about the life of C.S. Lewis. You know, the story of Lewis is similar to the story of all of us. We are all sinners, unable to save ourselves. Only God himself can redeem us, and he has done this through Jesus Christ. But you know, we all have differences in our stories too. We may believe in the same Savior. We may worship the same God. We may even go to church with each other every weekend. But we come from a lot of different places, don't we? So, I want us to think about the childhood of C.S. Lewis and the story of how the Lord drew him to himself. His life story started with tragedy. When the little Clive Staples Lewis was only nine years old, his mother was lying in bed. She was dying of cancer. And this was the first decade of the 1900s. Medicine, not as advanced as it is today. And even now, we're unable to cure a lot of different kinds of cancer. Humanly speaking, it looked quite bleak for Mrs. Lewis. And the end was coming soon. And her young son had an idea. He could pray that God would spare her. Mother's death occasion would, some might say, though not I, my first religious experience. When my mother's case was pronounced hopeless, I remembered what I had been taught, that prayers offered in faith would be granted. Accordingly, I set myself to produce in prayer a firm belief for her recovery. When she died, I shifted ground. I worked myself into belief that there was to be a miracle. Oh, I approached God. I'm not a savior, as judge, but as magician, I simply wanted him to restore the status quo. And when he had done what was required of him, he would simply go away. 
Mother's death, among other things, produced in me a deeply ingrained pessimism. I was by no means unhappy, but I had definitely formed the opinion that the universe in the main was a rather regrettable institution. Another scene from the most reluctant convert in the life of C.S. Lewis, he prayed for God to heal his mother as a little boy, and the Lord didn't heal her. So Lewis ended up rejecting any connection to Christianity. At even that young age, he concluded that there was nothing real there. You know, my heart is so touched thinking about this story. Losing a mother at nine, I lost my birth mother at eight. What a tragedy. And another tragedy followed. Lewis was an atheist at nine, and this lasted through his teen years, even as he went to study at the University of Oxford. The year was 1917. World War I was raging in Europe, and soon he was drafted and went to the front lines in France. And that's where he experienced the horror of trench warfare. The mud, the barbed wire, the machine guns, the gas, and the screams of the wounded and dying. But isn't it just like our God to use the terrible to draw people to himself? Lewis was shot by an enemy soldier. That was the end of his time on the front line. He spent some time recuperating before returning to Oxford. He graduated. He stayed on. And this young atheist was destined to become an academic. But at the age of 29, everything changed. He began to be convinced that there was a God. He couldn't believe in atheism anymore. The evidence just didn't stack up. And the more he talked to intellectual Christians, who amazingly gathered around him, the more he became convinced that Christianity is the best and the only explanation for why the universe existed and why the world is the way it is. So at this point, maybe I should say that Lewis had head knowledge. The story for the Bible was making sense to him for the very first time. The God revealed in the pages of Scripture made sense as creator, but also redeemer. But that's as far as it went at this point. What was missing was one of the key parts of faith. Lewis did not yet believe that this was true for him. He didn't trust in Christ not only as the Savior, but as his Savior. That is, until one day when he went on a motorcycle ride with his brother, Warren. Now, I don't suppose many of us have a conversion story that involves riding in the sidecar of a motorcycle. But in his book, Surprised by Joy, Lewis said that he got into his brother's sidecar, unsure of whether Jesus was the Son of God. They were actually going to visit a zoo. But by the time he stepped out of the sidecar in London at the zoo, he was a believer. Jesus was the Son of God, and he was his Savior. And Lewis, miraculously, was now a Christian, possibly the most reluctant convert in all of England at that time. And what a story of the Lord's love and grace. Lewis was an atheist for 20 years because he had suffered and saw suffering all around him, starting with the death of his mother, and then on going to the trench warfare of the Great War, and the list could go on and on. But even in his atheism, he had this thought 
this desire. Many of us have it. Do you feel it? This sense that there is something more than what we can see and taste and touch, and that there's purpose in this world, maybe even goodness. And even in the midst of evil, suffering, and death. And you know, the gospel is the answer. Now, I don't mean that the gospel solves all your problems. We're still going to suffer. C.S. Lewis certainly did. We still mourn. He did. And we still sin. But think with me about what we read in 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We love because he first loved us. Now that's worth underlining and never forgetting. God loved us before we loved him. And maybe we should think about this more often. God doesn't love us because Jesus died for us. No, Jesus died for us because God loves us. And even in this world that is so full of terrible suffering, we can take that to the bank. God loved us from before creation, Scripture teaches. And Christ came willingly to suffer and die for us. Our Creator left heaven and took on flesh and came to even bleed for us, and He suffered in a way that you and I will never be able to fully understand. But through the worst thing that ever happened, the crucifixion of the Holy One, God brought the greatest good the world has ever seen, salvation. And we're told in the Bible that anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's why Lewis was able to see redemption and find God's goodness, even though God didn't answer his prayer for his dying mother as a young lad of nine. I think it's important for us to understand what Max McLean shared with me recently about how Lewis's conversion story leads us to Christ. Lewis, as I mentioned, was probably the, the greatest intellect uh, of the, one of the greatest intellects of the, the 20th century. And I mentioned earlier about, you know, how do you call a line crooked unless you have some idea of a straight line. Mm. And, uh, and what L- Lewis was, was, was trying to get to the world to understand was, you know, most people do not believe in God because of some level of the problem of suffering. And he said, and, and what, what was important to Lewis in his conversion, I think it's very important to other people, is that Christianity does not solve the problem of suffering. It creates it because pain was not a problem unless you have some expectation that ultimate reality is righteous and good. And of course, in our Savior, he went through all this pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and what was really strong about Lewis is he always gave the alternative. And the materialist alternative, which is one Lewis believed, is that ultimate reality is is the mindless result of physics and biochemistry. And if that's true, then our daily experience of evil and suffering, of injustice, of wickedness, of right and wrong, are simply the accidental results of atoms colliding in skulls. It's merely the cards were dealt. But with Christ, 
there's a reason for our suffering that, you know, and, 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 and that is what we turn to. So when we go to the cross, we, we have a savior that can make sense of our suffering. Uh, you know, one last point on this is that to make sense of the world, one must deal with the reality of our own pain. Pain is undeniably real. But if that's so, then the thing that overcomes pain is even more real. Mm. And that's the essence of Christ and the essence of, of Christianity. Thank you, my brother in Christ, Max McLean, and his thoughts on Lewis and Christ. The same love that set Lewis free is the same love that set Max free and set me free. And it's the same love that can set you free as well. Can you hear him calling? You choose the humble and raise them high. You choose the weak and make them strong. You heal our brokenness inside And give us life The same love that set the captives free Same Love is the name of the song by Paul Balash here in this haven today, the most reluctant convert. Well, it's summertime now today, and outside of road trips, maybe a barbecue, maybe family get-togethers, it's also movie time. My wife and I like to watch movies set in England. So when I heard about Max McLean's new film called The Most Reluctant Convert, 
the untold story of C.S. Lewis. We knew we had to see it. It was shot on location in Oxford with very talented actors. But even better, this film pulls back the curtain to reveal Lewis's early life and his conversion to Christ in a way I've never seen before. And from the very opening of this movie, I think you'll be hooked like Janet and I were. Whether you're young in your faith or you've followed Jesus for most of your life, or you don't yet know Christ as Savior, and you know that deep in your heart, the most reluctant convert is for you. C.S. Lewis's journey to saving faith. It's a much-needed reminder that the gospel never, never stops working. And let me say it would be a great film to share with anybody else in your life, whether they know Jesus or not. I want to send you the Most Reluctant Convert DVD for your fiscal year-end generosity to this ministry. We could really use your help to make our budget. The end of the year for us is June 30th. If Haven today is a blessing to you, pray about being a blessing to us today. And as our thank you, we'll send you the Most Reluctant Convert. Our number you can call and do it right now, would you, is 800 65 Haven, 865 Haven. Or watch the movie trailer on our website and make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? But on Wednesday, we'll be sharing again together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. It can be easy to read the Bible and forget that the Lord's people spent 70 years in exile, the Lord's promises to be faithful never return void, and that included when he sent his people to Babylon and then Persia as exiles in a foreign land. And right at the end of the book of Chronicles, we hear a wonderful promise that's repeated again in Matthew. Cyrus had been stirred to release the people back to Jerusalem. He says, may the Lord your God be with you as you go. God with us, that's Jesus' name. When Matthew wrote that, he was telling us something. Jesus is the end of exile. He brings us back to the Father. Know Jesus more. Visit getanchored.com.